DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and the PK, PK in the mornings, brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Jerry Brewer, Washington, sports, Washington Post sports columnist, is going to join us here in just a couple minutes. PK, the big NFL news. Jacksonville getting very close to an Urban Meyer deal. So close now that everybody figures it's just a matter of crossing T's, dotting I's, and they want to know what time the press conference is going to be. Oh, yeah, this is the sexiest hire since Parcells to the Cowboys. Uh, well, that certainly was one. I'd have to go through every hire since then. Go, but off the top of through. my head, I haven't got anything for you right now. If go you got something better, tweet at us. David yeah. D.J. James, tweet at us. David I mean, D.J. obviously James. Belichick has had all sorts of success, but it's not like he's a sexy hire. That guy has, he has a personality, but, you know, he doesn't show it that much. Uh, he's wildly successful. But I'm talking about glamorous, and, and I don't think that Belichick at the time had the track record that Urban Meyer has at the college level, and Parcells obviously had track record. Pete Carroll to Seattle? Nice, but yeah. I think Parcells tops it. Yeah. Well, Parcells coached on the I-95 corridor, and uh, <laughs> and uh, Pete Carroll was moving from one from L.A. to uh to Seattle, and I-5 doesn't have the same cachet. Well, and plus he's half Italian, half Irish, and any you get that combination, and you've produced an ultimate winner who's from New Jersey. Are you kidding me? That's that's like getting a Mickey Mantle uh, rookie baseball card worth $5.2 million. Anytime you can get somebody from Jersey whose father was Irish completely and mother was Italian completely, you have got the rarest of, where, of, where, of rare. I can't even say it. It's so rare. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> Let me run through everybody I know. Uh, no, I can't think of anybody. You know three people like that. I do. I actually you know. know. You know me, and vicariously, you know my two sisters. <laughs> <laughs> I do know a lot about your sisters for having never met them. <laughs> now, Gordon has met both of them. Oh, really? There you go. Down, uh, was he on a trip to Arizona, Fiesta Bowl or something? I think it was uh, either an ASU or Arizona game, yeah. regular season game. Oh, okay. Uh, and football with the Utes. It may have been the Cougars, but I think it was the Utes because they're going down there to the desert every year, alternating between Tucson and Tempe. And so uh, one night, uh, he and his wife and mine and mine met with uh, the my sisters. And my sister... Uh, cooked a beautiful Italian feast for us. And you know Gordon. I mean, he can start a four-hour conversation with a dead man. <laughs> he absolutely can. <laughs> you travel with that guy, and if you sit in the same row, which I've done a number of times, uh, the person next to us, by the end of the flight, will they'll be our best friends. <laughs> I mean, th- this is a true story. I think we were going to Chicago to cover uh, probably BYU-Notre Dame. And... So I booked the whole thing and book his seat and everything. So I got to said, you find sitting in the middle and I'll sit at the window. Yeah. So I sit in the window. He sits in the middle. The lady on the aisle was church president Gordon Hinckley's niece. Right. Which we, of course, we found out and we got so comfortable and I'm just sitting there. I'm kind of a shy, shy quiet guy. Believe it or not. I'm a loud mouth blowhard on the radio. I get all that. But in public, I tend to be pretty quiet. 
And she got so comfortable by somewhere during the flight, she said, can I see your glasses? They're dirty. I want to clean them. And she... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Because Gordon had made her so comfortable that we were like longtime friends. (laughs) Gordon is a conversationalist. I don't know that there's anybody better, really. That guy can carry on a conversation. He'll find what you're interested in and just discuss it. And, of course, we've got what? What's it to Chicago? Two and a half, three-hour flight, Mm -hmm. if not longer. So we've got a good long while. You're not going anywhere. You're just stuck there. So uh, you can imagine that night around the dinner table with my sisters who are – you know they're ten plus years older than me, and so they've got a wealth of experience. And plus, they're from Jersey, so they can talk. It's something in the water there, or something I don't know. So they had just this massive, long-running conversation. So you know, three people who have that same type of heritage: me and my two sisters. And Parcells has it, and he was a sexy hire. But Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville, I think, is about as sexy as you can get. Well, certainly for Jacksonville, the needs something. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Anything. They're, they're London's team. They're not Jacksonville's team. Well, there's actually a lot of truth to that. The Jacksonville just can't, uh, can't really embrace them the way you think you would embrace an NFL team, the way lots of NFL teams get embraced by the community. Because they, they think it's going to get ripped away. Mm. And Urban's got the, the, the North Florida um, – credibility that if, if he can't break it down, then it can't be broken down. I mean, that, that's the bottom line there. Agreed. Jerry Brewer joins us, Washington Post sports columnist, writes a lot about the NFL. Jerry, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Uh, Urban Meyer, of course, famously coached to Utah before he went to Florida, before he went to ESPN, before he went to Ohio State, before he went to Fox. <laughs> but now when you hear Urban Meyer, Jacksonville, what do you think? I'm intrigued, but uh, I don't think he would be there more than five or six years. And, and and it wouldn't be because he failed, I don't think, ultimately. It would be that he uh, burnt out again. Um, so is that long enough for you to really establish everything you would want to establish with Trevor Lawrence? I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting situation because how long will it take? You know, rebuilding in college or getting it to where you want to be obviously is drastically different, particularly at the NFL level where it stands to reason that he will suffer more losses in 2021 than he suffered uh, probably his entire year uh, or entire career, I should say, at Ohio State. But just generally, what do you think of the idea of college coaches where they've had a lot of success going to the NFL? We're in this wave in which it's hot again, right? Uh, I think, um, you know, it's it really this wave started with Pete Carroll going to Seattle. Pete Carroll has a Super Bowl, and, um, you know, you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum with uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who didn't have great success in college, but has this really interesting offensive mind. And uh, he's underachieving. I mean, he, he's just been there a short time, so we'll give him more time in Arizona. But that Arizona team should have made the playoffs, and they had plenty of opportunities at the end of the year to make it. And the fact that they didn't uh, really leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth and has exposed, once again, um, Kingsbury's uh, inability to do more than just 
draw up pretty plays. Uh, so, and then there, and then there's, you know, people in between, you know, um, all of that as well. I, I think, um, with the way that the NFL has gone to being more open-minded about offense, not being so bogged down by pro systems and, and all of those things, um, the, the creativity that they're willing to show now, uh, it's a great time for, uh, for college coaches. Um, to enter the league, I think Urban Meyer has a, an advantage because he's already naturally, from what we saw at Florida and Ohio State in particular, uh, a CEO type, and I think that could play well um, in the NFL. He, he's only you're only as good as your assistant coaches, and uh, he has a, a tremendous track record in college of, of hiring the right assistants. So. I think you would have a chance. I mean, the question is, you got to be incredibly patient. Uh, if you went six and ten in year one in Jacksonville with the rookie quarterback and uh, basically a new team with all the cap space that they have, um, you're doing well. It's it's probably a four year process for you to be at a Super Bowl level. He's never really had that kind of a process, at least since he became uh, the name Urban Meyer has meant something. And so is he willing to slow down and is he willing to uh, tolerate the fact that you don't have any great recruiting advantages, especially in Jacksonville? It's going to be all about schemes and all about your ability to acquire talent through the draft and in free agency. Um, I, we, these are questions we just don't know uh, about Urban Meyer, but we do know that he's a very impatient man and we do know that he is uh, wholly unaccustomed to losing like you're going to lose at the NFL level. Um, and, and, and those are, it, it's more just personality things that I'm worried about before you even think about the football aspects of this. So when we wanted to have you on, we thought we were going to talk playoffs with you. We didn't know the Urban Meyer stuff was going to accelerate the way it did. But to uh, switch the focus to the playoff games this weekend, I'm, I'm curious what shot you think the Browns have to beat the Chiefs. There are two ways to pick in the NFL playoffs. One, pick the best team. That's the Chiefs. But the other thing to do is to pick the hot teams. We have seen teams get to the Super Bowl without great records, but if you strip their season away and look, you often find, hey, they won four in a row or they won six out of seven or something like that uh, down the stretch. The Browns were 6-2 and two in the second half of the season. Now they've beaten the Steelers, so they've won seven of their last nine. They're hot. Can they do it? Ordinarily, I'd give the Browns absolutely no chance of winning this game. I mean, I've seen that team that, uh, you know, I think last year, uh, last week, winning the playoff game, especially the way that they did against the rival, um, w- would have been the high mark for their season and that uh, they go into this game with nothing to lose and just go ahead and lose it all. <laughs> um, but this is a different scenario. You're not going into. Uh, you're not going into to Arrowhead Stadium uh, and facing you know, 60,000, 70,000 fans. The, 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 the home field advantage is just different. I think the home team was, what, 2-4 and four mm-hmm. last week? Yeah. Uh, and so you really see the effects of how um, you have the comfort of being at home, but you don't have the boost and the energy of being at home. I, I covered the Seattle-LA uh, Rams game, and it was very noticeable. Um, just uh, 
how you know that Seattle team is used to getting that kind of a boost in the postseason, and they weren't able to have it, and they were just flat all game. So I, th- I think I give them a little more of an opportunity in this game, but I, I still think you're, you're just on talent alone. You know, provided that uh, that Tyree Hill is fully recovered from the little tweak of the hamstring that he had, provided that Travis Kelsey is is Travis Kelsey and, and the rest of their, their, their defense is, uh, is still fast and dynamic. Uh, I could see Cleveland giving them a trouble, trouble for a half, but I still see the Chiefs winning that game by 10 to 14 points. How about the old-timers game? Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I think I give a little bit of an edge to the Saints, but I'm not really sure. I would agree with you there, uh, especially because the Bucks had such a hard time with the Saints in the regular season, and I think there's a there's a matchup issue there. Uh, you know, I will say though that the, the Bucks have been far more dynamic and have really figured out a lot of things in their passing game. Uh, trying to mesh the way Tom Brady likes to do it with the way Bruce Arians wants to do it. And uh, they've looked a lot better, say, the last five weeks or so of the season. Uh, but this is normally the time, that, in, in year one at least, that we've seen in which uh, they come upon some trouble and they don't look very good in games. You know, do, do the playoffs solve that? Or have they truly figured themselves out? I mean, that's a huge question, and... I still think the Saints are one of the more complete teams in the NFL. So I think this game is going to be uh, closer than what they played in the regular season. But I just don't see the Bucks winning this game. Uh, I think next year, and it's kind of weird to think about next year when your quarterback's 43 years old, but I think next year was always going to be the year in which Tampa had its best chance at a Super Bowl. And um, I think that's what it's going to be. Do you really think Tampa Bay's figuring it out or their schedule just got easy? Because at the end of the year, they beat the Vikings and the Falcons, and then they turned around and beat the Lions and the Falcons again. Well, that's four teams that didn't go to the playoffs, and when they were losing the month before that, it's because they were playing the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints, all of whom are in the playoffs. I would agree with you there uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I think that um, the numbers were, or the passing game numbers were particularly robust because of that but the confidence that you gain from it is real and you're still playing against uh nfl teams they're still in in those secondaries and those defenses they're still guys that you have to beat some guys here and there that can play but you're right i mean that they, they are virtually unproven i mean i think we still overinflate what the bucks are based on uh how they just went and handled the Packers early in the season when they were really playing well. But we haven't seen that team really since then. We've seen them just take care of business and just be really dominant over teams that they're capable of dominating. This is an opportunity for them to put it all together. Uh, I just don't think they're quite good enough. What's Washington going to do at quarterback? (laughs) Uh, I think they're going to hope that um, a a, a veteran – uh, comes comes free, you know. What, whether it be an opportunity to make a play for for Matthew Stafford or Matt Ryan or someone like that, that that would fit uh, what they would like to do, especially since they have a defense that is more than playoff ready. 
I think I would also look out for them uh, with this number 19 pick in the draft. If Trey Lance is there, I think that's a player that they're going to jump on and take. However, you know, knowing that, that, that Trey Lance is, is not played at the highest level of Division One, and what got to play one game this year, they know that Trey Lance is not going to be able to step on an NFL field and help you win next season. So even if they were able to do that at number 19, they're still going to be looking at a veteran quarterback. There's still the, the chance that between um, Alex Smith, if he decides not to retire, and Taylor Hinkey, that they would go ahead and, and um, uh, just try to do those two with a rookie quarterback in development next season. But I think they really want to get a veteran that they feel good about starting for 16 games. So Alex Smith signed uh, a big contract for a lot of money. If he retires, how much dead money is there on the cap? What kind of hit do they take? Can they afford to bring him back as a backup? Or if he's back, does he have to be the starter? Well, uh, you know, you look at their cap situation. They've handled it really well. It's it's, it's very clean. And... Um, They've got the opportunity, even without, uh, even keeping Alex Smith on the roster, to make some significant improvements uh, in free agency. They have Brandon Sheriff, their all-pro guard, uh, uh, who played on um, played on a franchise tag this year. They got to get him done, and that's about eighteen million per season, probably for the best guard in the game, or arguably the best guard. So, uh, but even even doing that, they're going to have an opportunity to go out and get some offensive pieces, a piece or two, or, or get a piece or two um, you know, in the secondary and make their team better. So their cap situation is clean enough for them to handle it. Uh, they would have to have a fairly significant amount of dead money. I'm not looking at the numbers right in front of me if, if, uh, if they had to move on from Alex Smith. But I think either way, it's not going to necessarily affect how the team um, goes for it this off season, so I think there's some wiggle room there at least for another year. You think these uh, increased playoffs are here to stay? Um, yes, yes, they're here to stay, and uh, I just kind of wonder. I mean, I have to look at it um, as a whole. I'm, I'm not sure that I like it, uh, and I, and I'm not sure that we had. 14 teams worthy of the postseason this year, especially with you having a seven and nine team uh, get in via the division title, um, which would have happened anyway, right? In, in a in a 12 team playoff, but uh, you know you have to look at it from a rating standpoint, uh, which is going to be skewed because of you know the mess that we're in right now, and you have to look at it from a quality of football, uh, quality of play standpoint. Um, and I think you maybe have to look at it from a um, from from the standpoint of if we if we do have one one seed versus two seed in both of the NFC and AFC championship games, uh, are those championship games affected by the fact that the two seed had to win three or, or has to win a third game here, or is the is the playing field fairly level? Like how much of an advantage? is being the number one seed this year. That's a question to be answered as well. Uh, but they're trying to make as much money as they can. And with the pandemic and, and everything, they're going to continue to do so. And I would not be shocked, guys, to see uh, eventually them go to a true eight-team playoff um, in each conference. You know, I think that um, 
a decade from now, that's what we'll be talking about. Half the NFL will be eligible for the postseason, which will make it um, you know, more like the NBA. Uh, and I'm not sure that's good for the game, but uh, money talks, and the only way they've learned how to add revenue is to increase um, you know, the TV viewings, and that's what they're going to do. What is the Washington football team going to do for a nickname next year? <laughs> it really seems like they're going to stick with their with, with with Washington football team at least for another year. And I think for the long term, they're considering Washington football team, and they're considering reportedly Washington football club, and you know, which sounds like a like a soccer team. Uh, I I think you you you, you got to have the 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 cojones to. Um, pick a name, you know, pick a nickname, pick something that, that is plural and something that is not offensive and, and go with it. You know, I think it would just be very weird for you to be the Washington football team. But knowing Dan Snyder and knowing that they had success in year one, he'll start to think that there's some magic behind this name when really they're still the team with no name. And the only reason that we're giving them some amount of credit is that they had uh, surprisingly – solid first year with Ron Rivera. But you know, the, the, there is no magic um, to this name, and I hope that he realizes that. Tell him, PK. Make it happen. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> well, I've been pushing that they go to the pigskins and then they could still be the skins. <laughs> uh, you know, considering you know, their, their sexual misconduct scandal something with pigs and it probably makes sense <laughs> i was focusing more on the skins but if you want to do that that's your call <laughs> yeah oh yeah we call them the washington footballs you know that's ultimately what what pig skins would be right um you know i i think just just to keep it as simple and as clean as possible these it's always about what the jerseys look like right and what your logo looks like um it's uh, it's really not that big of a deal uh, to have a nickname, but I'd like something that had an S on the end of it, something that you can make plural, and something that would not be offensive. And uh, I think that can be done. Whether I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of say Warriors or something like that, but if that's what it needs to be, that's what it needs to be. Uh, it's really about the identity you put to the name by the way you play. Jerry, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on and talking a little NFL football. Uh, anytime, guys. Appreciate you. Jerry Brewer, Washington Port Post Sports columnist. They like it, PK, but they don't want to take it and run with it. You need someone to take it and run with it. Okay, well, we can have the Stormers or the BSers because that's what I think of politicians, but that's just me. Uh, let's see, because you want something different. I mean, you don't want to be... The Tigers or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, actually, the thing I heard that was totally different, but is very much the city, is when someone suggested Washington Monuments. But I think if that were going to happen, it would have already happened. I don't think that's going to happen. But that's I thought, too okay. Long. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, and when you have a nickname that has multiple syllables, people like to shorten it down the way it was shortened down to skins. But here on this side of the country, lots of 49er fans say the Niners. 
because 49ers is too long, and you want something. In San Diego, they can't even say Padres. They say the pods. Well, the well, Niners have leaned into that. They've, they've put Niners on their gear. They yeah. say the Nats for uh, the baseball back yeah, there. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything we covered in this show coming up next in one segment. We'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Of course, my guys are fully aware of how physical, uh, how fundamentally sound uh, these St. Mary's teams are. And they'll know more once they've been through it once. But, you know, these games always turn into just a physical slugfest. Like it's, you know, so I think St. Mary's is clearly the most physical team in our league, or at least they have been traditionally. And I expect them to be this, this season also. And it just turns into a, like a grinded out game. That's Mark Pope, BYU basketball coach. It's a big day of college basketball. Utah and Stanford, 3 o'clock on ESPN2. You got a matinee there because they're no longer worried about uh, they are no longer worried about fans and the TV networks need programming, so there you go. And then the league needs cash from ESPN, so we got 3 o'clock games on weekdays now. And well, then at 7 o'clock, yeah. Utah State and San Diego exactly. State on the CBS Sports Network. Yeah. 9 o'clock, BYU and St. Mary's on ESPN2. That's Mark Pope and PK. I love listening to coaches who are good with the media because he gets up there, he says a positive thing about the opponent, which is the right thing to do. You don't provide bullet board material, but I always listen for what they don't say, and then I watch the game for that. He Okay, they've got size, and they got strength. Are, are they athletic and quick at the gar- on the guard line? Do they shoot the three well? He didn't go to any of that. So stuff to watch for. Does St. Mary shoot it well? And how quick and athletic are How well do they change ends of the floor? Can BYU get points in transition? He's not going to go and tell you that kind of stuff because he's good with the media. He's sensational, yeah. He's absolutely a uh, breath of fresh air. Not Dave Rose was fine, too. But uh, my first experience with Pope was was in 1996. It was back there in Minnesota uh, when Kentucky was playing Utah. The Utes were in the Sweet 16. They got drilled. Kentucky won it all that year. Uh, they had so many great players. Yeah, they were Pope, awesome. They Pope brought, was on that team. Yeah. They brought NBA players off the bench. Yeah, they had they like did. eight or nine NBA guys on that team. And uh, I can remember uh, Pope was asked a question, and the guy, you, you usually raise your hand so they can see it because they're sitting up on the podium and there's lights and whatnot. And Pope just deadpans. And the guy's, I'm over here, I'm over here. He goes, yeah, I can see you. I know where you are. I just don't want to look at you. And the place busted up. <laughs> and, and I asked him about that, and he doesn't even remember saying it, but I do. <laughs> so he he's always been very, very good with the media. And this is a great day for me. I mean, I'm, I love my job, obviously. But to do the show in the morning and go to the gym, take a nap, get something to eat. I watch some golf because they moved over to Oahu. Mike Weir's Mike team Weir's off, playing. I think, about yeah. uh, 4.20 our time. So I'll, I'll have that on. And then at 3 o'clock, I'll be watching the Utes and get something to eat afterward. And then I got the Aggies, and then I got the Cougars. I mean, that's what constitutes work. Today, 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 I consider myself, 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 the luckiest man, man, man. You get the point. I do. Thank you, Lou Gehrig. <laughs> 
Echo, 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 echo. <laughs> to be able to think that, that, that this is considered work? Are you kidding me? Nice. This is, this is lottery stuff right here. So how many of the locals are going to win? Four. S- no. SUU. Okay. <laughs> uh, you think the Utes are going to be Stanford? Because that'll be a good win for them if they do. Stanford's 4-1. Well, one. any win's a good win for them in the conference Well, okay, now. that's true. You got me there. Yeah. But this would be an especially good win because Stanford's 4-1, and one, and they look like a good team. Uh, Stanford is a solid team. They got the De Silva kid, and they got this uh, this kid, one of these kids that doesn't necessarily put up big numbers, but the NBA draft people in Williams, they love them. Uh, so, and he's a freshman at Stanford. I don't know if he's going to be one and done. Stanford did have a one and done last year, so even though they go with the academics, still you got opportunity to go professionally and get the academics down the road. So uh, yeah, I would say no, but the Utes have been tantalizing us. I mean, it's not like they've been getting blown out. <laughs> no, in any they of keep these taking games. ten point halftime leads and yeah, double digit leads in the first half. And even you know against UC Los Angeles, that wasn't the case, but it went right down to the end, and the kid. Uh, who was it, Larson? I thought, man, he had a full head of steam. Yeah, Take it to the basket as I'm it. watching that play. And he decides to stop around the free throw line, and he threw it right to the, the Bruin kid. Uh, but other than that, you know, the, they, they've been in these games, obviously. So uh, it's not like it's impossible by any stretch. And you listen to Allen talk after the game the other day, saying, you know, I believe in this team. I believe we're right there. we got to find a way. And if they can find a way... So it's not inconceivable by any stretch because I don't think they're horrible, but nevertheless they're not winning games. UCLA's five and zero; they lead the league, and then it's Oregon and Stanford at four and one, and USC at three and one. And Oregon has uh, COVID issues, so they're shutting it down. The Devils were supposed to play Oregon. The Devils, man, they can't get it on the court to save their soul. And then when they got on the court last week, they had four of their top six guys not playing <laughs> for either injury or COVID. The Martin, their point guard, had a grandfather die, so he was gone for both games. It's been one thing after another for them. But life goes on. The season goes on. So uh, you got to find ways. BYU is going to beat St. Mary's, aren't they? I don't know enough about St. Mary's yet, and I know we're 12 games into it, but, you know, they traditionally, uh, Bennett plays a soft non-conference schedule. Stu Marl scoffs at uh, St. Mary's' schedule. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, that's kept them out of the NCAAs despite glossy uh, records. 100%. 100%. Yep. We can get Ken Pomeroy on to uh, back that up, but yes. I guess so I, I just really I guess I think BYU is going to win because I think if BYU plays an elite team or a great team, they're not good enough. But I think if they play a pretty good team, I trust them to win those games. And having said that, you know they got beaten in the conference tournament last year, so <laughs> so it's not a slam dunk. But I just you know they've been winning at a pretty good pretty good clip under under Pope. So I think if you're playing a pretty good team, you know if you run into a team that's got two NBA guys, you're probably not good enough. Uh, and then the other game is Utah State and San Diego State. Really don't know what to make of that. Utah State has been crushing really bad teams. You know, you got to play the bottom of your league, so you play the bottom of your league. You're 6-0. If, you, if you're Gonzaga, you have the leverage to not play the bottom of your league twice. But everybody else has to play the bottom of their league. And Utah State, I, I just can't say enough. Who, when have we ever seen, even Majerus's really good teams, they didn't win games by an average of 33 points over a half dozen games? 
They're just annihilating these teams. Now, having said that, San Diego State is several levels better, even if they're not the best team in the league this year, they're several levels better than Air Force and San Jose and New Mexico. Oh, this so, is it's it's apples the truest test they've had in yeah. conference. There's no question about that. These next two games, we'll know a lot more about the Aggies. And they got them, but I don't know that home matters with the with the fans and all. Normally, Spectrum is a great field home field court advantage, but you know only altitude. That would be, I think, the yeah, only thing. I get that. So you've got the, these two game. I, I actually like these little two game deals, uh, to tell you the truth, because uh, they can't go back. It's all over the map. You know, when I first got to the Watchdog and was covering them in the WAC. It was it was always a great thing, you know. Thursday, Saturday, yep. BYU played UTEP, Utah played New Mexico, and then you were going to flip flop. Yep, and you had you had a sense of rhythm, and you were playing virtually the Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, and you knew you went over Wyoming, uh, CSU, uh, Air Force, New Mexico, or not? Uh, Air Force actually was hooked up with. Uh, uh, Fresno, because that was a funky thing. But you know, San Jose State, Hawaii. So you, you had that thing going on, and now the schedules are all over. So this year, I actually like it. I wonder if it's something that they can continue and maybe save the colleges some money. Well, they've cut their they've cut their airfare in half for the conference season, so that's got to be a positive. That's a lot of plane tickets you don't have to buy, and it adds up in a year where everybody's budgets are in trouble. You're saving cash. Yeah, I think a lot of them are chartering now. Uh, so I don't, it's, it's more. Okay, you about, have half as many charters then. Yeah, yeah, it's the same type of deal. You know, you pay for the charters, you pay for the gas, whatnot. But mm-hmm. yeah, and then and then to have these little two game stances, they, 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 they sort of work. I mean, think about CSU and, and San Diego State a couple weeks back. You know, the the Aztecs blow the big lead. Well, then they know they got the same team two days later, and then they got the same situation five minutes to go. They got a big lead. Now they held on and they 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 run away with it. But to me, as a fan. I sort of like watching, seeing the Aggies, what they're going to do against uh, the Aztecs in a couple of ball games. Top of that league is Boise State at 8-0 and Utah State at 6-0. And then CSU's 5-1 and and San Diego State are 3-1. and Well, they have the losses because they had to play each other and they split. So those are the four teams to keep your eye on. Everybody else in the league's got at least three defeats already. But those four look like the top of the league, and now we'll see how it shakes out tonight, 7 o'clock. Scott Gerrard on the play-by-play with the pregame at 6.30 here on The Zone, and then the game at 7. And it'll be on both stations because there's no jazz conflict. Jazz are off tonight. They play Atlanta tomorrow. And then uh, that second game is on CBS. It's on Tonight's on CBS Sports Network, but Saturday is on the network. I don't know, I don't know where the Aggies are recruiting and who they're talking to, but wherever they are, they're going to be able to see that. So awesome exposure for the Aggies coming up Saturday at 11 a.m. on CBS. KUTV locally, but it'll be on across the country. All right. Uh, other stuff we have talked about, PK. We had Bowler on to talk about James Harden, the Nets. They went all in. Now, the good news for these guys is that in two years, if it doesn't work, they're out from under for this in a couple of years. And so it's not a long-term commitment. But in the short run, these guys in their early 30s, can they get to the NBA Finals? Yes. They're doubling down kind of what they did with the Celtics, but this seems to have more upside than that did when they took on Paul Pierce. Well, especially if Irving is going to stay away. Better with no Kyrie than with Kyrie. Keep that... Keep the distraction away, and, and man, if they could move him, I don't know that they can, though. If they could move him and get a, uh, a third guy who 
I think, fit a little better. It is interesting to see who will be the third guy if Kyrie comes back and they're all there trying to go after it. Who's, who can step away and not have the ball in their hands all the time? You asking me a question on that? Is that a literal of question? Of those three, uh, it's rhetorical because I don't think any of them can. But if you have someone, go ahead. Joe Harris. Okay, but he's guy four. He's not guy three. I know. That, well, that's that I'm making a point. Yeah. If they can, if they can move Kyrie, uh, I just don't know that they can. I would, I would think the other teams are like, yeah, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> not right now. Why? Why bother with the guy? Get it together, man. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback, everything about today's show, your take on it, coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Country boy, there are two statues right now, one for Stockton and one for Malone. And there should be one more for Jerry Sloan. He was a country boy. (laughs) That's good. I like it. Every day, delivering day after day. I don't know when Kay does this, but man, does he got some good ideas. I mean, Joe DiMaggio's got nothing on Kay as far as a consecutive streak. Okay, he's probably got a little longer streak right now, but... Are they time enough that they're doing them every day, newsworthy, or or do you think like they, they do five for a week, you know, in one one I, session and then just roll great, them out? It's a good question. Yeah. Kay, fill us in. Send us an email or something. And they've got a good voice. I mean, they're right there with Donnie and Marie. Tweets are coming in. Uh, Jill, longtime listener, former Channel 2 uh, intern, uh, says, if you're watching Stanford and and Utah, you have to watch Zaire Williams. He is awesome. He's the one I just mentioned. (laughs) Yes. Uh, She had two cousins who played football at Stanford, so she is... uh, she follows Stanford very closely. Jim think, Plunkett big chunk and of John Elway. No, I don't believe either one of them. <laughs> uh, McCaffrey and McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's hardcore enough, though, that she uh, was um, at Stanford and ran into Lance Anderson and knew who he was. He gets credit for... Uh, being a big hey. part of their ability to recruit a lot of Utah high school football players. I can one-up that. Yeah. She was at Stanford and ran into me. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that she texted to see if you were there. <laughs> and I got to say, she I got a little nervous. You. She went Well, you. I went up with, uh, I've got uh, some good friends that are huge uh, season ticket holders, a long time. Mm-hmm. So we went up, we planned a weekend together. And the four of us went, got some bikes, went down to Santa Cruz, just had a great time. And uh, so we're, we got there early, and we're just walking around. And we go by the, uh, I think it was the Ute tailgate. And I got tons of Ute fans that call me out. Well, I, I didn't see her at first, but I heard somebody say PK. And then I look out of the corner of my eye, and I see someone running toward me. And I think, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it took me a second to gather myself <laughs> to figure out what was going on. 
Because <laughs> normally, you know, you're just walking around campus, APK, APK. Yeah, what's APK. going on? Yeah, right. Yeah, just, so, yeah, I mean, nobody I, moves. <laughs> right, right. You just, you're just you on the other side, and they're Sorry. coming in. Occasionally, I'll see some parents. I mean, actually, I remember at that game, I saw uh, Chase Hansen's dad. I used to see uh, Cody Barton, their their dad, uh, would see him. He's tough to miss. He's huge. So, you know, you chat him up a little bit. But, yeah, we did – we did chat, and, and she's a very nice person and a, and a hardcore sports fan and knows her stuff. Uh, Christian tweets at us on the whole topic about BYU and, you know, do they need to pay coaches more if they're going to compete at the highest level? Uh, we don't need to go Alabama mode, where football no. is more important than just about anything, but I think it would be wise to be competitive with most of the P5 schools. I do, too. If you, I agree with that. If you can punch above your weight, you know, if they're, if they're paying top of G5 money and you brought up that you've been told, you know, that the Boise State uh, salary thing is kind of a good ballpark for BYU, Correct. right? Correct. So, okay. and from there, both Boise State and BYU punch above their weight. They beat schools in the bottom of the Power Five who have more money, and they beat schools in the middle of the Power Five who have more money. You know, they, BYU goes to Wisconsin and beats a seven-win BYU team. But when Wisconsin comes to Utah with a 10-win team, then you get beat and, and dominated, really. Uh, so I think we're seeing that when BYU, we've got, a, we've got a few years under our belt here. When BYU plays a team that is a Power 5 team that is eight wins or below, they got a pretty good shot. They lose to some of those teams sometimes, but they got a pretty good shot. When they play a team that's better than that, they're going to lose most of the time. They don't have much of a shot. It's not impossible, and they could take somebody down, but overall the record just isn't good. You know, If Utah has uh, a 9- or 10-win team, they have thrashed BYU pretty good. They, they've, they've had some pretty dominant wins. You know, That team that won the division went down to BYU two years ago. They, they really handled them. Uh, there have been close games in that series. Obviously, BYU hasn't broken through since it went to the Pac-12. Well, also, too, I can tell you a little anecdote. When Kalani was putting his staff together, he was eyeing somebody at Utah – and the word came back, uh, whatever you offer, we'll just offer a little bit more. Yeah, right. And, well, you, you got to look at Utah's staff and think, they've won for long enough now. Guys must have had offers, but who's leaving? You know, I mean, Sharif Shah's been there a long time. Morgan Scally's been there a long time. You go down that list, they're not losing. They're not Sharif Shah, noted TV celebrity now? Yeah, the housewives deal. I just can't get into that. Me You'll neither. have to inform just, me about that. That's, no, I, uh, I, I've only seen one episode. Of it. I saw the pilot, and that was about I'll, it. I'll know whatever Twitter yeah. tells me. That's the only That's thing I'm going to know. Yeah. That stuff is rough. But, yeah, well, you're making good money now to be a coach at the University of Utah in their football program. If you're a coordinator, I mean, Morgan was making over a mil, wasn't he, until he got the thing where it was reduced, and isn't Correct. Ludwig up to eight, 900000 Yeah. That's, That's a phenomenal. good neighborhood, isn't it? You yeah. literally can be in any good neighborhood you would want, yeah. I would think. Yep. Set yourself uh, up for life. You can be east that. of Wasatch Boulevard, PK, with that money. Oh, east of Wasatch and Foothill? <laughs> That's my ultimate goal. I don't know that I'll ever achieve Just that. Just playing off what you said earlier. <laughs> I know. I mean, I know some people who do live east of Foothill and east of Wasatch Boulevard. I'm not one of them. All I'll tell you, Yak, is that... Uh, PK has, has laid off this for a while, but he used to write it really hard. <laughs> the face and he, then, just, the face and he then, just made, PK. And then the Tribune, back in the days when there was a, an actual physical paper, I mean, we're probably going back like 2005, right? And they do uh, this quarterly thing, and they have the every zip code. And I found out 
his zip code was significantly above mine. And that's when all of this stopped until just now. That's because up by the junior high, they Uh built a ton of brand new homes. Van Horn had a home up there. Okay. And those are all new after we moved in. And just because I'm a real estate shark and you buy the lowest house in the highest neighborhood, don't criticize me. DJ and PK, we are out of time. Scotty G and Hans coming up next. Scotty ready with the double dip because you got the show and then Utah State tonight in Logan against San Diego State here on The Zone. DJ and PK, we will see you tomorrow when all these college basketball games are in the books. David Locke will join us. We'll see you tomorrow on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.